One of the most common chronic obstructive disease processes in existence today is that of asthma. This disease affects over 25 million people in the United States, with over 7 million of them being under the age of 18. Without a doubt, it's the most common disease process that's seen in the pediatric population and can be frightening for both the patient and the paramedic when it occurs. Pediatric asthma has a tendency to improve or disappear as the child gets older. For adults that suffer from the disease, it tends to be permanent. The pathophysiology of asthma is a three-pronged process and involves the bronchial tree becoming hyper-responsive, severe inflammation of the airway, as well as periodic airflow, particularly upon exhalation. These pathophysiological manifestations exhibit themselves in dyspnea or shortness of breath, wheezing that can progress to the absence of breath sounds altogether, as well as episodes of coughing. According to Marquet, the increased resistance to airflow leads to alveolar hypoventilation, marked ventilation perfusion mismatching that leads to hypoxemia, and carbon dioxide retention stimulating hyperventilation. In addition, because air becomes trapped within the alveoli, the pressure within them tends to remain high, resulting in less efficient gas diffusion process. For the most part, asthma attacks tend to be variable in duration, unlike what you might see with a patient suffering from emphysema who experiences shortness of breath or dyspnea on a chronic basis. Asthma is also known as a reactive airway disease. In order to understand the full ramification of what a bronchospasm is, we need to take a closer look at it as well as define it. A bronchospasm occurs when it constricts, much like an artery. This leads to a decrease in the diameter, causing reduction, sometimes severe, of the amount of air that is able to pass through it. This is made worse when the capillary system begins to leak, leading to edema within the bronchial tree. This simply makes the constriction worse. This reduction of the diameter of the bronchial serves to make it much more difficult to remove the mucus that is produced. Asthma attacks that occur on an acute basis are defined as asthma flare-ups. Asthma is often, if not usually, accompanied by an increase in mucus from glands within the bronchial tree. These can become so thick that the airway is blocked, and when the paramedic listens to breath sounds, she may not hear any breath sounds being present at all. This is termed a silent chest and is a foreboding symptom for the future of your patient. This mucus can cause serious permanent damage to the epithelial wall, causing those cells to begin to peel away. This discarding of the cells allows future allergens a much easier access to the bronchial tree, making future asthma attacks more frequent as well as more severe. The loss of the protective membrane can make airways to become hyper-responsive. This is a primary feature of asthma. Bronchial hyper-responsiveness is defined as the ability of the airway to be easily stimulated into a bronchospastic state. This hyper-responsiveness is not only seen in patients with asthma, but also in those who suffer from other forms of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, such as emphysema and chronic bronchitis. How severe the hyper-responsiveness is depends to a great degree upon the amount of inflammation found within the bronchial tree, as well as the status of the strength of the patient's immune system. Patients with a long-term history of COPD tend to have poor immune systems, leading to a more exaggerated response. It reacts well to the addition of a bronchodilator, which we'll discuss later in this podcast. The healthy body has a number of enzymes and other chemicals that serve as mediators and buffers against inflammatory substances. Asthma has a tendency to cause a drop or a loss of these specific substances that leads to a worsening of the inflammatory process during an asthma attack. 
Continued inflammation may lead to permanent and damaging changes in the structure of the cells of the bronchial tree, as well as structures of the lower respiratory tract. Should this happen, the patient's response to treatment can often be impaired, and progression of this process lead, can lead to the loss of lung function, greatly impacting the patient's quality of life. When dealing with patients that are suffering from asthma, keep in mind that there are three classifications of the disease. Asthma that may be atopic, non-topic, or a combination of both atopic and non-topic. Let's take a look at these in a little more in detail. Asthma that has a childhood onset and is triggered by allergens that cause wheezing is considered atopic. These allergens run the gamut from pollen from trees to pet dander, dust mites, a very common cause I might add, or smoke. Once a patient has been exposed to the offending allergen, there is a massive release of IgE. IgE is an abbreviation for immunoglobulin E. These are antibodies that are released when the immune system is triggered. It will cause an allergic reaction when it attaches to specific cells within the body. This Ig will result in an inflammatory response that causes both inflammation of the airway as well as moderate to severe bronchoconstriction. IgE production can be increased when the patients are exposed to smoke, pollen, pollution, or even stress. On the other hand, non-atopic asthma fails to produce an IgE bodily response. The same triggers found in the pediatric onset asthma are missing and generally is precipitated by something such as the flu or some other viral infection. Another way to view the difference between atopic and non-atopic asthma is that the precipitating factors that set off an asthma attack tend to be extrinsic for atopic asthma. They tend to be intrinsic, thus the internal viral disease for non-atopic asthma. When a flare-up occurs, the increased workload of breathing because of air trafficking can lead to the use of accessory muscles in order to continue the process. Air trapping results in higher endothoracic pressures that place a limitation on the proper mechanical functioning of the heart. This causes a reduction in cardiac output that worsens perfusion throughout the body because of a reduction in the preload. Preload is the amount of blood that is returned to the heart by way of the superior and inferior vena cava. In severe cases, this air trapping could lead to a simple or a tension pneumothorax. It would be very rare for a patient to have an asthma attack and not be aware that they suffer from the disease. Almost all patients will have had several years of experience with the condition and are aware of the triggers that set it off, what exacerbates it, as well as the best treatment that normally resolves the situation. If an asthma patient has called you for help, you can be fairly confident that their treatment routine has failed and they desperately need your help. The most common presenting symptoms of asthma are severe difficulty breathing and wheezing with an accompanying cough. The cough is the body's attempt to trying to expel some of the mucus produced during the attack. Severe asthmatics generally present as sitting in the tripod position. This is where the patient has their hands on her knees and is leaning forward. The patient will instinctively go to this in order to move the abdominal contents away from the diaphragm and give it more room to move, thus improving the status of her breathing. As the hypoxia worsens, she may begin to use accessory muscles, those found in the rib cage and neck. This hypoxia may lead to retention of carbon dioxide that is also known as hypercapnia. Left untreated, she may begin to become drowsy, which is an ominous sign leading toward respiratory failure. Speaking in one to two word sentences is also an indicator of impending respiratory failure. 
Be sure to ask your patient if they've ever had a tube placed in their lungs and been put on a ventilator. If it has happened once, the possibility that it will happen again is good. Watch for EKG changes that may include peaked P waves in leads 2, 3, and AVF. As stated earlier, you may have trouble hearing breath sounds because air trapping reduces the amount of air moving through the bronchi. Your goal in the treatment of a patient with an asthma attack is to reverse bronchoconstriction, decrease inflammation, and improve oxygen flow to the alveoli. Begin by giving the patient high flow oxygen by a non-rebreather at 15 liters per minute. Get your IV started and begin cardiac monitoring of the patient. Administration of a beta agonist agent will work to reverse the bronchoconstriction. However, if the asthma attack is severe enough, it may be difficult for the patient to get the aerosolized medication deep enough in the bronchioles to begin the bronchodilation widespread. The most commonly used bronchodilators are albuterol, the trade names of Ventolin and Proventil, or levalbuterol, also called Zopinex. The dosage of albuterol is 2.5 milligrams mixed in 3 milliliters of normal saline and given via nebulizer. The Zopinex dosage is 1.25 to 2.5 milligrams for up to three doses. Keep in mind that when giving beta-adrenergic bronchodilators, some of the side effects include headache, nausea, an accelerated heart rate, a feeling of nervousness with hand tremors, as well as an increased amount of sputum. The inflammatory process is treated with corticosteroids. Because these drugs take a much longer time to begin to reverse the inflammatory process, some agencies do not use them. Those services with very long transport time should give serious consideration to their implementation. A special type of asthma emergency occurs when the attack cannot be broken by repeated doses of bronchodilators. This situation known as status asthmaticus is a life-threatening emergency that requires rapid treatment and transport. Patients suffering from this condition are usually near exhaustion and may be in a severe acidosis. The treatment for status asthmaticus is the same as for asthma, but you must understand that this patient is a candidate for intubation as they continue to deteriorate. Asthma is one of the most common diseases that you'll be called upon to treat, especially in the pediatric patient. It is a generic term that is diagnosed by wheezing, dyspnea, a tight chest, as well as a non-productive cough. Keep in mind that the asthma can occur at any age. Patients that are in status asthmaticus are often intubated and may wind up on a ventilator. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast on asthma. Our next podcast will cover the assessment and treatment of chest trauma. I hope you'll join us.